the most important trial of the year just basically came to a close. The closing arguments have been made, both the prosecution and the defense have talked about everything at length. Now we have a trial where your literal right to self-defense is on trial. That's what we're dealing with right now. Those are the stakes that are in place at the moment. I'll be getting into that trial and more on The William Hall Show. Alright, welcome back to the show. So gonna go ahead and jump right into things here. So Kyle Rittenhouse, this is the most important trial definitely of this year, probably one of the most important trials of the last few years. And really what this is all about is your right to self-defense. You would think it's very cut and dry, really. Because you have this this guy, this really this kid at the time, it was 17 years old, that was faced with a decision of what to do when his life was literally threatened by a bunch of goons, these people that were marching for BLM, and don't get it twisted like the media is trying to spin this. These people were white, every single one of them, and they pointed guns at him, were beating him to, to the last pretty much inch of his life, and he had no choice but to defend himself that's what took place and that's what's really dealing or taking place in this trial so a few developments have actually taken place and i've kind of gone through a few of these so far that are uh at least the big takeaways from it but one of the big deals that really just came out of this was that one of the charges entirely got dropped so this is the trial here where you have or the specific charge where there was a weapons charge against Kyle Rittenhouse that was basically saying it was a misdemeanor, by the way, but it was basically saying that it was illegal for him to literally have the gun at the age of 17 in the particular state that he was in in Wisconsin. Now, the media and the key behind all of this is that the media lied. The media lied big time in regards to this entire situation in this story. Because they were telling you, and if you went to any of the fact check sites, we're talking about Snopes, we're talking about PolitiFact, any of those places, they were telling you that it was illegal for him to have this firearm. We'll come to find out, looking at the actual Wisconsin law, as long as you're actually at the age of 17 or older, you can legally have this firearm. So he was actually well within his legal rights to have and obtain this weapon, but as a result of which the Democrats have tried to conjure up this ridiculous narrative and lie to you and tell you that it was something entirely different. But we know that's not the case. I mean, we all, all we have to do is just look at the information here in front of us. But this is really a story to tell you that you shouldn't pay attention to what the mainstream media is talking about. And of course, if you're listening to the show, you already know that, but it just solidifies it over and over again that they will say anything that they want to simply try to push whatever the narrative is. So the actual uh, portion of this took place because they had to take it off. I mean, they had to literally remove the entire charge because it just did not fit. The judge dismissed the weapons charge against Kyle Rittenhouse, and they're saying that this is a huge victory for the Rittenhouse, for Rittenhouse and his defense team. And of course it is, because this also, by the way, this charge was one of the ones that the prosecution thought they had in the bag. They thought this would have been the easiest one. It wasn't a felony. This would have been the easiest one to prove for them, and they failed at doing so. So that's really the big takeaway on that particular one there. Now, the prosecution 
has been involved in several different issues. Number one, the judge was yelling at the prosecution several times because they were overstepping their uh, boundaries, pretending as if uh, Kyle didn't have the right to uh, to not speak the Fifth Amendment. Well, now he was actually in the courtroom demonstrating. I I, I have no idea. I, he was supposed to be demonstrating, I guess, the use of this firearm. But now, if you're listening to this on audio, you don't see any of this. But he's actually holding up this rifle and he has his finger in on the trigger right there. Now, I'm not a gun expert. However, I do know enough about guns to know and gun safety to know that the point is that you don't point a gun at somebody unless you intend to shoot them. You also don't put your your finger on the trigger unless you are prepared to shoot them as well. This is literally basic gun safety. How do we know that? Well, there's actually a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse from the scene where when he was holding the gun, he had his finger off of the trigger. It actually wasn't on there at all. I can actually skip over to this and show you what I'm talking about. Here's the picture right here uh, where you literally see Kyle Rittenhouse circled here with his finger off off of the trigger, and then you have the prosecutor with his finger on the trigger, which basically tells you that you have these guys here that are trying to convict Kyle Rittenhouse of misuse of this gun, of not knowing what he's doing with it, when the prosecutor doesn't even have an idea about how to hold a gun, anything about gun safety. It's absolutely crazy that these are the people that are apparently supposed to be levying all these charges against him. How does that work exactly? I mean, clearly this guy is an idiot. You can see that very, very clearly that Kyle Rittenhouse knew how to operate the gun. This prosecutor does not, but yeah, he's the one trying to prosecute Kyle Rittenhouse. It doesn't make any sense. So the other big takeaway here also was that the jury was uh, told not to listen to Biden or any of the other Democrats that have decided to speak out in the news. Now, this is a interesting situation because Biden, uh, other Democrats obviously spoke out even during the George Floyd trial. And that jury was sequestered, but not the full length of time or something like that, I think is what took place. But this jury has not been sequestered at all. So they are pretty much entirely able to see any of what's going on, any of what people are saying out of this trial. And by the way, I'm sure that they may be maybe not as high profile or high stakes as the George Floyd trial, but I can assure you that they're probably just as uh, worried to a certain degree about backlash from the verdict. Because ultimately, if they come out of this and they decide rightfully so that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is not guilty of all of these charges, then I'm sure that there's going to be a ton of Democrats that are going to be looking these people up, trying to search them, find them, and they're probably going to get outed and exposed and have their lives ruined as a result of something as ridiculous as that. It's actually, you know, standing up for the Second Amendment. Who knew? Uh, following the law. That's something that lefties don't want you to do, of course. But um, so Judge Schroeder on Monday dismissed the jury for the night after telling them that they have an obligation to render a fair verdict, not based on presumed opinion, news media or comments from Joe Biden or Donald Trump or anyone else. Okay. So he said the time has now come with a great burden of reaching a just, fair, and uh, conscientious decision, in this case, will be placed totally with you. You will not be swayed by sympathy, passion, prejudice, or political beliefs. You will disregard any impressions that you may have, which you ha- may have or may believe are my opinion on the guilt or innocence of the defendant. So the thing is that it's nice that he's saying that, but they all say this, okay? The, I remember, I distinctly remember in the George Floyd trial, they said the exact same thing to that jury, that they were not to pay attention to what these politicians were saying, that they weren't going to be biased. Lo and behold, they throw, they still convict them of all of the charges, which made really no sense, okay? 
And then we find out later that one of the guys was literally a BLM activist uh, that made us lie his way onto the jury. Just, just really cr uh, crazy stuff. Sorry about that. Uh, just some crazy stuff that you see them doing there. So it's really, really strange. But at the, at the end of the day, it's really going to matter what the jury decides in the next, hopefully, 24 hours. We'll see what happens. They, The closing arguments, as I've already mentioned, are done. They're over with. And as of right now, there's nothing else that they really need to do. We're just waiting on the jury's actual verdict. Now, what's my opinion of it? Of course, we know that none of these charges make any sense. The guy was defending himself point blank. This should have never even have been a trial, by the way. The mere fact that this is even a trial in and of itself is insulting already. Because people should have the right to defend themselves. And normally, you don't get to see the situation that unfolded, okay? Normally, if somebody defended themselves and somebody is trying to bring it to trial and say that they murdered this person and they didn't, they were, they really weren't being threatened. Sure, whatever. We have video evidence. I mean, it doesn't get more clear than this. We have video evidence of uh, what the the rioters were doing beforehand. We have evidence of what they were doing at the time. At, at the whole incident has been captured, and it's very obvious that this was an act of self defense. In other words, they wouldn't have gotten shot. Regardless, now, the prosecution, the liars that they are, they're telling everybody, well, in their closing arguments, one of the big liners that they had, one-liners that they had in there, was that basically, if at any given point in time, Kyle Rittenhouse brought the gun to the fight, then that means automatically he did not have a right to self-defense, which makes no sense. I mean, you're supposed to be able to have a weapon on you or something like that. I mean, you, there's concealed carry, there's a bunch of other things like that, there's open carry. Why is it? That they're basically saying, well, if you bring a, a gun to, to the situation, well, then that's not self-defense. No, it is self-defense because the point is, is that they wouldn't have gotten shot had they not threatened his life. That's the key distinction there that the prosecution fails to realize that Democrats don't want to acknowledge. They don't care about your Second Amendment rights, your ability to do anything. They're willing to basically say, you know what, you have no rights because you disagree with us politically. That's what's going on right now. That's why I'm saying that literally your Second Amendment rights, your right to self-defense is literally on this or in this trial. And that's what this is really about. Now, of course, the city is preparing for this. The state is preparing for this. Everyone is preparing for the for the outcome, because either way, if the jury makes the right decision, there's going to be rioting. Even if they make the decision the Democrats want them to make, there's probably still going to be rioting. But either way, they're preparing. The city is getting ready for this already. You actually had um, uh, several people chime in on this. Several businesses have been uh, documented. New York uh, Post commented on this uh, reporting showing that official businesses in Kenosha um, are fearing the repeat violence of people that basically destroyed the city back last year after the Jacob Blake situation. So they're already ready. There's photos of numerous buildings being boarded up, windows being boarded up. Um, everybody's prepared because they remember the, the places that were being rioted at last time. Now, I can assure you as well that those are also probably including a lot of black businesses because I remember last year when there was a car dealership, it was like a used car dealership that was being burned to the ground. And when questioned about it, uh, one of the, one of the people that was just out there in the community was basically saying, yeah, that's a black own business being burned to the ground by black people because they don't know what they're doing. I mean, that's what's going on here. So 
Keep that in mind as well throughout all of this. This whole trial is really nothing but a big sham in many ways. I've been posting about this all day. By the way, another interesting fact here that I posted about on Gab this morning uh, is that MSNBC, one of the mainstream media networks that's obviously known for a bunch of uh, fake news, literally skipped the closing arguments, by the way, from the defense. So in other words, they covered and showed and aired the, the prosecutor's closing arguments, but just like, up, oh, turned it off when the defense was up. Yeah, that should tell you everything you need to know about the, the bias in the media right now. I mean, it doesn't get more clear cut than this. How is this legal? I mean, how are they able to do this? You can see this directly. It's not that they are uh, trying to put some weird tagline on, underneath the video. They're literally just not showing it to you. So if you're watching MSNBC and you're one of the people that thinks that they're objective or any of these other uh, mainstream media networks, you're seeing literally one side of the story and not the other. It's one thing for them to have biased political commentators on, but now they are literally censoring what you see so much that you will never know what the defense has even said. You won't know what their arguments are. And these people that, by the way, watch this MSNBC news station or whatever, will go online, they go on Twitter, and then they pretend like they know everything about this whole case when they know nothing. They haven't even seen it. So... This is what it's doing. It's brainwashing people into thinking something, and it's just disingenuous and absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, and that's the problem that we're dealing with here right now. Now, of course, Biden and a bunch of other people have gotten slammed for their comments about this. Actually, Jen Psaki, for example, was actually uh, questioned by, I think it's uh, Peter Ducey, about the issue where Biden was basically alluding to the idea that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. Here's her uh, questioning him right now. Just something tied to an ongoing court case. Why did President Biden suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Kenosha is a white supremacist? So, Peter, what I, I'm not going to speak to right now is anything about an ongoing trial, uh, nor the president's past comments. Uh, what I can reiterate for you is the president's uh, view uh, that we shouldn't have, broadly speaking, uh, vigilantes patrolling our communities with assault weapons. We shouldn't have opportunists corrupting peaceful protests by rioting and burning down the communities they claim to represent anywhere in the country. As you know, closing arguments in this particular case, which I'm not speaking to, I'm just making broad comments about his own view. Um, there's an ongoing trial. We're awaiting a verdict. Beyond that, I'm not going to speak to any individuals or this case. But the president has spoken to it already. And his mom now, Kyle Rittenhouse's mom, came out saying that the president defamed her son. And that claims, uh, she claims that when the president suggested her son's All right, so there's enough of that there. So, so basically, the other part of this, what she's saying is basically, well, he's against these vigilantes. Well, vigilantes, guys, listen. Listen, the only vigilantes were BLM were the people that were rioting after uh, the Jacob Blake shooting and justifying it by saying that it was for social justice or racial justice or whatever that's supposed to even mean when you're burning things to the ground. That doesn't make sense. Kyle Rittenhouse was not a vigilante. He was a guy that was there regardless of the situation. It doesn't matter. If you can open carry, you can open carry. If it was a legal firearm, it was a legal firearm. You can't change those facts, okay? Just because you don't like the person that he wound up shooting has nothing to do with this. By the way, both of these people that the Democrats are defending in this trial are not people you want to be defending, okay? One of the guys is a registered sex offender, and I'm not talking about some one-timer, okay? This guy actually has 11 counts of sexual molestation against a minor uh, between the ages of, I think he's like 5 and 11 years old or something. I mean, this is crazy. That's just one of the guys. The other guy 
uh, several different domestic abuse charges for beating his wife. I mean, and, and the other guy, obviously, he had some kind of uh, some uh, drug charge or something like that, I believe. But the point is that these are not savory characters. The, these are not the people you want to be defending. But I do find it very interesting that every time something like this happens, that the Democrats are actually the ones that are defending the pedophiles, the wife beaters, the people that you don't normally want to be associating with. I mean, come on. It's really crazy right now. Uh, and I know a lot of people feel very strongly about that. But the, the idea is like, look, you know, if you wind up doing something against a criminal somebody that has done heinous acts towards children, it kind of is what it is. Especially in the situation where this person was trying to literally kill Kyle Rittenhouse and Kyle just literally defended himself. That's what this trial is about. So um, a, a little bit more about the story here. So this other Democrat in Oregon actually was slammed for his comments about this whole uh, trial as well. So this was from, uh, what is this guy? Um, so this is from... A, like I said, the Democrat in Oregon. And he said, employers, consider giving your black employees a day or two off after the Rittenhouse verdict. Regardless of the outcome, it's going to be hard for black people to work, and it isn't fair to expect them to. Now, I don't even know where to start with this one. First of all, I mean, come on. Like, what low expectation do you have for black people where it's like, oh, this outcome of this trial, I don't know if they can deal with it. They can't possibly work. If they're actually working at all, especially in this particular situation that we're in in the economy. But why do you have this ridiculously low expectation that something happening politically or in a court case would keep somebody from physically being able to do their job? And what corporation is dumb enough to sit there and say, OK, sure, you know, you, 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 I know this trial was hard on you. I mean, it must be so tough watching a trial about a man exercising his Second Amendment right, his right to defend himself, against white people. The, none of the people that were in this situation were black at all. So, I mean, this is very detached from being a black issue, so I have no idea what in the world they're talking about right now. It literally makes zero sense that they would be making any of these comments whatsoever at all, and that's what's really confusing me. So, uh, of course, people are, you know, commenting on this. Yeah, Jason Whitlock saying this is insanity. Um, well, again, Matt Walsh, of course, everyone involved was white, as I already mentioned. The, the point is, is that th this is so detached. You had a black person that got killed by a police officer, okay? And there were riots by a lot of black people and some Antifa white people as well. And white people got shot. And you're telling me that black people should be upset and shouldn't be able to and, and, and can't work. So these employees need to give them these days off. And then you say regardless of the outcome. So even if he gets convicted, you're still going to need these days off. Why? Is it just, I mean, I mean, tell me that like you're, I have no idea. I really have no idea. I mean, it just sounds to me like they are basically saying that, you know what? We're lazy and we need days off of work. So any excuse we can come up with, we'll take it. That's basically what it sounds like to me. So I'm, I'm not really falling for that at all. But that's really all I have right now for this trial. As I mentioned, we're just simply waiting on the jury to make a verdict, and then we'll see what happens. We know what they should be doing, but it's only a matter of time before we find out exactly what they actually will do. So all we can really do right now is pray for Kyle Rittenhouse, because this isn't just him that's on trial. It's our right to self-defense that's on trial, and that's really what's important in all of this. That's really where the rubber meets the road is that this case in many ways sets a precedent for many, many, many other cases down the road. Your ability to literally use that firearm to 
protect your family, protect yourself, protect your children, whoever it is. So that needs to be taken into consideration. Like I said, we'll be praying for Kyle Rittenhouse. So moving on to the next story here, there's now an Oklahoma bill that is being proposed that would allow workers to sue employees for $1 million over harm from forced vaccinations. This is a huge deal. And I've alluded to the fact that this needs to be a thing a while ago, because when you have an employer that's basically saying you must be forced to make this medical decision, you are forced to do this thing against your own will then those companies need to be uh, responsible for what's happening. And the reason why I say that is because let's take a look back in the past when we've looked at uh, coal, the the coal industry or uh, different other types of environmental work or hard jobs where um, employers or the employees were put into bad situations, whether that was the environment that they were in, if they were working around specific chemicals, didn't have the right uh, protection against said materials that they were working around. These workplace hazards, right, exist in many situations and especially existed a long time ago. And many companies got sued by class action lawsuits and other things because of the fact that they were forced to work in these environments without the proper uh, gear that they needed or the proper precautions that weren't being taken as a result of it. And now are dealing with cancer or whatever. And yeah, this is something that we could very well be seeing because nobody knows the long-term effects of this vaccine. Let's not get it twisted. Remember, the I think the fastest vaccine that was ever developed was 12 years. So you're talking about this right now where we have no idea what the long-term ramifications are, especially when we're talking about the mRNA technology that we don't also know much about either. So this is uh, something that's being proposed here. Um, this is the Citizen Health Mandate Protection Act. Um, and this was uh, introduced on Friday. So the bill would allow employees to sue their um, employers over medical issues related to any operations made mandatory as a condition of employment. In other words, anything that you were required to do to have or keep that job. So it goes on. Uh, the legislation is coming after uh, the, Biden, the Biden administration unveiled this new sweeping labor rule. Okay, and that's the that's the one that's 500 pages long, mandating all federal employees, contractors, and all this stuff get vaccinated and everything. So this would be a big deal if it gets pushed through, because what this would do is basically force companies to then decide, hey, wait a minute, do we really want to do that? Think about it very similar to the abortion situation. Remember, in Texas, they didn't outright ban abortions. They, they didn't do that. It, it wasn't the police that they were expecting to then go to these clinics and arrest these people. That's not what it was. All they simply did was say, hey, anybody can sue you guys if you were doing this. As long as they know that you did it, they can take you to court and form a civil lawsuit. The max is not going to be that high for the amount of money that they can make. I think it's like $10,000. But if they sue them or if enough people sue these clinics, they, they will lose their mind. They'll be out of business in no time. Okay. This is very similar to that because it makes these, it's not that these clinics can't do abortions. They can do them. They just don't want to get sued over it, right? This is the same thing. This is the kind of the same idea. These companies, I guarantee you, if you allow them to be sued by the employers, all of a sudden, oh, wait, we're not all about that vaccine that much. Why, why would they do that? Why would they immediately back away? They're backing away because they don't know what the actual ramifications are of this vaccine. They're only doing it because they feel that they can tell you what to do and that you're not going to do anything, that they are free from any uh, political problems, any liabilities, 
uh, of any sort, whether that's from a lawsuit or anything else. So they're only doing it because they feel they, they're basically, it's kind of a power grab for them. They feel, they know that they can do it. I mean, Biden's doing the same thing in reality. He's only getting away with this because people are allowing him to get away with it. The second you put this liability on them and you say, you know what, we can sue you. We can do whatever we want. Then that's when they back off all of a sudden because they're not that confident in it. Newsflash. Of course they're not. They never have been. So uh, moving on, this this uh, interesting story that I found, it's actually about this uh, professor at Old Dominion University. Now, this is an interesting story because I think a lot of people think this is probably some kind of joke. The left has called it a joke. It isn't a joke, okay? This is a very, very, very real person here. So the uh, the name the person of this name is Alan Walker. They're an assistant professor at Old Dominion University, and they are using these uh, the pronouns they them, and they have been advocating for pedophilia uh, pedophilia to be destigmatized or normalized. In other words, is what they're talking about. So they're saying that they're calling for pedophiles to instead be referred to as minor attracted people, and and some people have even, uh, or persons, and they, they're actually sometimes saying MAP, you'll see that uh, acronym being used for that as well. Now, the reason why this is a big deal is because we predicted it a very long time ago, and Democrats told us this was never going to be a thing, guys, it's not going to happen. Well, the title of this book here is A Long Dark Shadow, Minor Attracted People and Their Pursuit of Dignity. In other words, what they're saying is pedophiles trying to earn their reputation. That's what this that title means, okay? Like, let's not get it twisted here. They are basically doing exactly what we told them that they would do. Now, there was actually a Twitter account a while ago, and it was apparently a parody account, okay? And they posted something out like this, basically saying that they don't understand what's so bad about uh, people that are attracted to minors because it's it's just they they can't help themselves. It's just like the trans people they they don't know any better. They, they it's just their viewpoint, right? And we need to respect their viewpoint uh, of wanting to do this. That's what they were saying. That tweet got deleted. The account got deleted off of Twitter. Now the thing was that before it did get deleted, there was a lot of comments from lefties saying this is it. This isn't a real account, guys. This isn't real. Nobody has this opinion. Nobody believes in this stuff, guys. That's not true. That's not true at all. Okay, explain this one. All of the people that were saying that that stuff doesn't exist, explain this to me, please, because this is a legitimate professor that is advocating, first of all, changing the name from pedophiles to minor attracted persons. In a way to basically try, and once again, this is it's another euphemism. It's the way the left operates. We talk about language a lot on this show. They use language, and then they change it over time to basically fit their narrative. But eventually, minor attractive people is going to sound too offensive after a while. And then they change it to something else. Because it's all about trying to cover it up. They don't want to say abortion. They want to say pro-choice. They don't. They, they don't want to say uh, that it's a man trying to be a woman. They're trans. Oh, they're just trans or this. They, there's all these ridiculous little uh, terminologies that they've changed to try and mainly confuse people. And by confusing people and not using the word pedophiles, which is exactly what it is, they think that they can get around this. And we called this a long time ago. All of us called it a long time ago because. It's all it's, it's basically their next step. It's the only place that they can go. When you're progressive, you have no choice but to go forward and change things. You have to leave things in the dust and move on to the next thing. And this is, I'm telling you right now, maybe it's five years from now, maybe it's 10 years from now, I don't know. But this is the next thing. It's going to be 
just like they told you that men can be women, that or or that there's it's okay to be gay and it's okay to be lesbian and it's okay to and, and then you have all I'm attracted to all these different things and these different people and here's all the names of these things and, and they're saying you know just be you right just be you you can't help it don't deny yourself remember Christians we're told to deny ourselves but they're told to embrace that to embrace the sin embrace all of these things whatever you feel like doing do it and this is what they're saying. So if you're a pedophile, go ahead, have at it. They can't help it. That's the next logical step. I wouldn't be surprised if they added on the end of the LGBTQ plus IA, whatever it is at the time. I guarantee you it'll be added onto that list because they're going to say it's not their fault. That is no big deal. Remember, they're already targeting our, ki- our kids and our children. They're already doing that. So they're at the schools. They're, they're changing their books. They're controlling what they see on TV. They've got control of the cartoons and everything else. And now you're telling me that there's no way that they're going to be saying that, hey, you know what? If kids can consent to a gender change at 10 years old, why can't they consent to who their sexual partner is? I'm telling you now, it may sound crazy today, but that's exactly what these people are doing. That's what's going on right now. They're trying to destigmatize it. They're trying to make it. Uh, normal to make it a normal amount of behavior and it's not it never has been and it never will be and and i think this is where the left really is going to start losing people i I really believe that because a lot of people are like okay whatever with the gay stuff whatever the lesbian stuff but this telling you this is a whole new level of craziness right now and and this has to stop i mean it really does it's gone way 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 too far in 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 the way that they've uh, gone about this so Another story that we have here is actually a, a guy in Texas. And of course, we know about all the school board meetings that have been taking place. Uh, we've seen a lot of the uh, videos and the uh, just other reactions that have taken place at these different school boards. Well, this time we actually have a guy that apparently was advocating for CRT. He was in favor of CRT and he kind of lost his mind on the people there and really made some pretty threatening comments. Check it out here. I've got over a thousand soldiers ready to go. We're not the board. If you want to talk to me, I'd be happy to talk to you. Yeah, you're not you not tell us. Time. Time. Yeah, I'm going to bring my son to next time. Yeah, so that sounds like a threat to me. I, I mean, literally, that, what the guy was basically saying, some of it was hard to hear, but uh, apparently earlier in the speech he had made a few different uh, comments about this, and he said, how dare you come out here and talk about things that my daddy and my grandparents went through, the lynching, the oppression, Jim Crow, and my kids are still being afflicted by this, he can, he was uh, saying at the actual meeting there. Now, so, so he's literally advocating for CRT, but I can assure you this guy has no idea what CRT really is. Okay, and that's the problem is that he thinks for some reason that by teaching kids that you are inherently a failure by being black, that that somehow is helping them. No, your kids are going to be stuck exactly where they were because they have a father that's hell bent on basically making sure that they stay in their lane in this in this box that the Democrats have set. That's why CRT 
is just evil and almost basically child abuse to teach the kids like this because it's a blatant lie. Then this guy's saying he's got a thousand soldiers. Of course, I don't believe in a word he's talking about, but imagine if a conservative were to say this, okay, in opposition to CRT. The left would be having a field day with this right now. They would be the ones literally sending the FBI out of their house. They would have gotten arrested already for making threatening comments. This guy gets off scotch free. I'm telling you, like the, the way everything works is literally backwards at this point. It's really beyond me. And, and so I really, this is just a really weird situation with this guy. And rightfully, he was kicked out of the actual school board meeting because it's just ridiculous. So you just see the double standard taking place all over the place. And uh, real quick, there's this clip that I came across uh, that actually kind of highlights the difference of what they say versus what they actually do. When we're talking about Democrats and uh, Joe Biden and his entire administration, there's, an, there's this clip here uh, that's literally showing what they were telling you earlier this year and last year, but mainly earlier this year, uh, shortly after Biden was in the White House, about the vaccine mandates and mask mandates. Listen to what they're saying. You tell me if you see any problems with it. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. And no federal mandate requiring everyone to obtain a single vaccination credential. We're not counting on vaccine mandates at all. Those are decisions the federal government is not going to make. You're not going to see a central mandate coming from the federal government. That's not the role of the federal government. You know, at the federal level, I don't have the... uh, the authority to either mask mandate or, or vaccine mandate. That's not uh, what we do at the federal level. Definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take the vaccine. We've never done that. There will be no federal mandate. This is a decision that historically uh, has not come from the federal government around vaccine mandates. That has not happened ever, to my knowledge, at a national level. Yeah, it hasn't happened ever before at a national level. And this is exactly what we're talking about every single one of those people in there if you listen on audio it's a mixture of like the the, the secretary of education and, and a bunch of other people uh jen Psaki, biden just everybody fauci talking about the idea that they were never going to mandate vaccines they, they weren't going to mandate uh the masks but look at what's happened look at what's happened that's what they said but we know what they actually did this is why we look at this. And, and the fact is that I want to hear from all of the Democrats. Please explain that clip to me. Tell me why you're okay with this. You're, this administration that you love so much, lying to the American people, telling them one thing, and then flipping on it and doing another thing within literally six months. Somebody explain to me how in the world that's okay. Because the Democrats are going to be getting trying to get away from this as hard as possible because they want you to think... That it was the plan all along, like in, in the sense that that Biden never lied about it, that they never told you that it wasn't going to be the case. But that's what they did in this clip. So save that clip because I can assure you that it's going to be something that Democrats are going to deny over and over again, especially when we start looking in the next couple or few years, because they're going to say, I never said we weren't going to do it up. Oh, we have the clips here. So save these clips. I'm telling you, very, very important to have that. Uh, last but not least, uh, th- this episode's TikTok liberal is actually a teacher talking about the uh, different types of students that come out to her or other teachers and the fact that they're not out to their parents and how they should basically behave in that process. I've been seeing some chatter on TikTok lately uh, in various videos about the topic of trans kids and teens being out at school but not out at home. And the teachers know 
the chosen names and pronouns, but they are conflicted as to how they should address the trans students if they see them out in public with their parents. Now, popular consensus is just don't mention any names at all. No gendered language whatsoever. And I understand the whole idea of trans lives are more important than cis feelings. But we also have to remember that when there's a teacher who's trying to carry on a conversation with parents, but also respect the trans student, that creates more of a dynamic that is a little bit more uncomfortable for the teacher as well. And most of them want to do the right. All right. So let's there's a lot in there where she says that trans lives are more important than cis feelings. In other words, the lives of trans people are more important than your feelings if you're straight. Okay. That's what she's saying. Now, the weird part of all of this is that what about their, or this process that she's referring to is about their lives, right? I mean, trans people are all feelings. Isn't that the case? I mean, none of these people are dying that I'm aware of. I, I don't understand what she's talking about. So isn't it just the fact that you just care about trans feelings a lot more than you care about anybody else's feelings? Isn't that maybe what you're really talking about? But notice how they change the language to try and pretend as if it's something else. This isn't about trans lives. They're not going to die because you use the wrong pronoun. Okay. If they chose to kill themselves, they probably would have done that anyways, knowing the statistics. That's all we have to look at there. But realistically here, what does this have to do with their lives? They are, it is about their feelings. It's about that child's feelings and what you're doing. Now, there's a, a book that I've referenced several times on the show that I highly recommend that you read if you're interested at all in the uh, transphobia, specifically with uh, younger women and, and where they kind of go into the details of how the left has attacked our girls and has done this. But uh, it's called Irreversible Damage. And in the book, uh, the author talks heavily about this idea that you have so many of these uh, trans students going to school and the teachers are literally working with the student to hide it from their parents. I'm not kidding. I mean, they're, they are right in the whole thing with the students. In other words, what you'll see them do is that if your child or your son or whatever is going by a girl's name at school, the principal to the teacher, everybody on staff will be in cahoots with each other to make sure that that name, their new name is not listed on any of the paperwork that goes home to you as the parent. And yet they will call them that new name at school everywhere. They'll write it on their papers or whatever else like that. But if it's a document like uh, just online uh, uh, grades or whatever it is or other things that go home, they're going to put their old name or their real name on that documentation so the parents don't know anything. That's what's happening right now. Same thing with the pronouns. They will use the correct pronouns around the parents, but the second they get to school, everybody is basically putting on a show for this student and covering up and basically working together to hide this stuff from the parents. So this is, this goes pretty deep with the way that they behave in this situation. And that's why this is kind of a crazy clip of them even remotely talking about this as if it's any of the teacher's business to be dealing with any of this stuff. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I think for a lot of these teachers, they care more about the use of pronouns and all the rest of this mess than they do actually about preparing the generation for the world that they're going out to be facing right now. And that's going to be a massive mistake for a lot of these, these students that are graduating at some point in the near future. So with that being said, that's all I have for you on this episode. I thank you for watching or listening to this one. Uh, and just if you are listening to this also on Apple Podcasts, please remember to leave a review as well as it does help the show out. 
But with that being said, I'll see you on the next one.